so I do Q and A's multiple times a week, almost every day. And, and sometimes when people want me to answer their question, they'll ask the same question every single day over and over and over again, which like fair, like they want me to answer their question. And this one woman kept asking if lifting weights doesn't make you bulky, then why are CrossFit girls so bulky? (laughs) And, and I was like, man, this is a, it was basically this woman was from the way I perceived it was she doesn't want to lift weights because she doesn't want to get bulky. And she's trying to, to, she's looked at the top 1% of CrossFit female athletes as a way to justify why she's not lifting weights. It's like, you look at the top 1% of any athletes in the world, ne- never mind athletes, look at the top 1% of chess players in the world, look at their lifestyle. Like you don't want to live that lifestyle, but if you want to get better at chess, you got to play more fucking chess. <laughs> and so like it, it's when, when I was making that video, my whole point was like, listen, you're looking at the top 1% of competitors. You're looking at the CrossFit open. You're looking at the people who are literally the best in the world, who are probably on performance enhancing drugs, which is, I have no issue with that, but like, you have to be aware of that. They're they're probably doing it. Um, They've been training intensely for so many years. And every time they go to the gym, they go harder than you could ever imagine. Like they're not going to the gym and giving it like a seven out of 10 or an eight, like they're, they're giving it 10 out of 10. And that's where muscles built. And it's like, when they don't feel like going to the gym, they're in the gym where they don't feel like going hard in the gym. They're going harder than you can ever imagine in the gym. Like they're not taking light. They like, so they're going so hard. You can't comprehend it. And so you're looking at the people and not only all that, they're also the most genetically gifted. They're the ones who are like, they're the elite of the elite of the elite, because that's how they were born. Like they were born that way. They were going to build muscle more easily. They're going to build strength more easily. Um, I mean, we look at someone, it's sort of like looking at LeBron James or Michael Jordan. It's like, these are the elite of the elite of the elite, no matter what, they're going to be amazing at it because they're born that way. And it doesn't mean they don't work hard for it. They work harder than anybody, but they also have the genetic predisposition for it. So the vast majority of women are not going to get super bulky from doing CrossFit or lifting weights. There are some women who, if they go at an unbelievable intensity and train for their career to try and become a career CrossFit athlete, then yeah, they'll get fucking bulky. But if you're like a mom of a couple of kids and you're working a full-time job or whatever it is, and you're training a few times a week, good fucking luck getting bulky. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. (laughs) Welcome to the Weight Loss for Women podcast, a place where we share everything you need to know about restoring your metabolism so you can eat more, train less, and lose weight in a healthy and sustainable way. I'm Kitty Bloomfield, co-founder of New Strength and Saturated, creator of pro-metabolic food supplements and seriously saturated skincare. And today I'm joined by Jordan Syatt. I had to ask Craig about five times about how to say his actual name because I kept saying it wrong. I just have this habit of saying people's or pronouncing people's names incorrectly. Um, now, Jordan is a coach, trainer. He's also an author. He just wrote a book called Eat It, which is really entertaining um, and a, a great read. I highly recommend you read it. Uh, he can also, or he has been able to deadlift four times his body weight. So he's a pretty strong dude. He's actually pretty small. I think he's only like five foot four. Um, but he was also Gary Vee's trainer for three years. And I think that he just has a really sensible approach to nutrition training. And he's super funny. And if you follow him on Instagram, I think he just educates people in a really entertaining way. And I just, I love all these videos. He makes me laugh. Now, water, word, word, word of warning. Um, he does swear. There's quite a bit of swearing in this podcast. So if you are listening to it, with your kids in the car, don't. I think put the earphones on or just listen to it when you've got no kids around. But I am absolutely sure that you will love this podcast um, just as much as I did. And like I said, if you don't follow him already, go and follow him on Instagram and definitely get a copy of his book. Oh, hey, Jordan. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you on. And everyone just, you know, if you've got kids, because most of the women who listen to my podcast <laughs> have kids, so I'm like, listen to this one with the earphones on because there probably will be a lot of swearing. So just warning you now, if you're offended by swearing, get off. Yeah, there's going to be a fuck ton <laughs> of swearing. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we were just talking about how, like, you said that someone, some people get really mad at you. And this one person wrote in the email being like, you would double your business if you didn't swear. It's like, uh, fuck off. Fuck off. <laughs> And it's not true, you wouldn't, because I've tried not swearing very much. Really? Um, Why did I've you tried. try that? Why did you decide just to? Just as an experiment, just like yeah. I wanted to see like how it would go. And it, I spent my whole time 
thinking about not swearing rather than actually thinking about putting together coherent sentences that would actually help people. And, um, and so like, it just didn't make sense anymore. And it was mm-hmm. funny. Cause I remember when I first started my business, I made my first website in 2011 and it was, you know, I was like 20, 21 years old. And, and on my homepage, I had something to the effect of, I was like, I don't give a fuck what you think. Da, 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 da. Like, I was like, I'm just going to give you no bullshit advice. And I had that on my homepage and no one was looking at my website. It was 2011. I was like 20 or 21 years old. And, um, I had just started like Instagram didn't exist yet at all. So I remember my mom was the only one who actually looked at my work at that time. And, and she was so mad that I was swearing on my website. And my mom was like, Jordan, no one's ever going to want to work with you if you swear like that. And I was just like, mom, if, if someone doesn't want to work with me because I swear, then I don't want to work with them. And even though it's one of a, it's for some reason, a very polarizing thing, which I don't understand, but even though it is the people who don't like it, they unfollow me. And the people who do like it, they like me more. They, they, they actually love me more because of that. And so it's, it's one of the, one of the worst things you can do in life, never mind for your business is to try and please everybody because, you know, that whole quote, you know, you try and please everybody, you end up pleasing nobody. When you, when you aren't who you are, you end up having imposter syndrome. You end up like not really enjoying what you're doing. That's why a lot of people don't like working at an office or they don't like their job because they feel like they can't really be who they want to be. It's like one of the reasons I love what I do is because I don't give a fuck. I can be whoever the fuck I want to be. And if you don't like it, then like respect and leave. That's fine. Like no one's making you stay on my fucking Instagram page or my YouTube channel or my podcast. Like you don't like it, get the fuck out. And I wish you the best health, happiness, go for it. But like, I love what I do because I am who I am. And, yeah. and that's, that's what matters. So be who you are. Yeah, I love that. That's really good. And yeah, no, over the years I've said in things and then got feedback and sort of thought like, oh, and then thought, oh, like, you know, I'm pretty open to, and we've talked about sex before. And, you know, like I yeah. shared this story about blowjobs one day and got this <laughs> from just this experience with Craig and like, anyway, I, I won't go into details, but you know, some lady emailed me, um, like, oh, I just shoot this email, like, you know, just all about, you know, being Christian and, you know, that's so demeaning and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, wow. And she's like, you know, I'm unfollowing you now. And I was like, well, <laughs> that's fine. You know, like, but I actually did sort of feel a bit like, cause you know, when people say things to you, some, and I was like, you're right, fuck it. I'm just, I'm going to, yeah, it's not like I get on the podcast to talk about blowjobs every day, you know, yeah. like it was just this one-off story relating to something else but anyway so yeah i know i if you do talk about blowjobs every day then like <laughs> people who don't like it will leave and the people who are like yeah i love blowjobs like giving yeah. them getting them great blowjobs like then they'll be an even greater like fan it's 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 one of the best things you can do like and i don't know if you if you want to make your podcast the blowjob podcast but like it's up to you like it's <laughs> Craig would probably like that. <laughs> Maybe we'd get some more male followers. I don't know. But no, I really love that. And that's why we love you because you're so authentic and you're so real. But also, you know, you just this no bullshit approach, which is awesome. Because I think in the fitness industry, you know, like, and like I told you before, we typically work with women who like me. Like I spent 17 years of my life just doing dumb shit, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. keto, fasting. I ate tuna and apples once for 12 weeks. I took Duramine. I ate that, you know, you know that, oh. um, I don't know if you got this drug in the States where you, you take it and you poo out your fat that you ate it was disgusting just dumb shit like oh, i would just do yeah. stupid stupid shit and same with the women so you know we love your sensible no um thank you no bullshit approach it's awesome and obviously you've got the book out the new book so maybe just yes. want to talk about that yeah so i uh, wrote a book i don't think i'll write <laughs> another one it was a, a brutal experience so i sort of checked it off the bucket list um, but I'm really happy with it. it it's called eat it. Um, it was basically, it's everything that I want people to know about strength training and nutrition, uh, mm-hmm. much more about nutrition and building a healthy relationship with food and understanding what you need to do, uh, in order to achieve your goals, especially if it's around weight loss and having a healthy relationship with food, being able to enjoy your favorite foods without feeling guilty about it. And, uh, and that's it. So wrote that and, and mm-hmm. I'm really happy. And the response has been great. We're a national bestseller and, um, I think one of the coolest parts is, uh, a lot of doctors have been recommending it, which has been really fun oh, to so see good. that they've been recommending to their patients, uh, because it's not a scientific book in terms of like, you don't read it and there's not scientific jargon. It's not like, mm-hmm. all right, we're going to talk about the Krebs cycle and <laughs> it's, it's, 
it's very easy to understand. And I think that's why a lot of doctors are recommending it is just because it's an easy way for them to get the information that they need to get to their patients without boring them. So uh, a lot of people have been saying they've read it in a day or two days max, which has been great. Like I don't want, I love Harry Potter, but like, I don't want it to be like a 700 word book. Like it's a 700 page book. I want it to be like a, a relatively brief book that gives you everything you need to know so that you feel comfortable and confident with yourself. So I'm very happy with how it came out. Yeah. Awesome. I'll drop the link obviously in the show notes so people can check it out. It's also, it's on Kindle. Hey, it's not an audio book yet, is it? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. It I recorded it. Oh, great. Great. Well. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So you can listen to it um, as well. Just quickly before we move on, just want to say Jordan's also pretty fucking strong. At one point <laughs> in his career, he deadlifted four times his body weight. So what was your body weight at the time? So I weighed 132 pounds. So what's that uh, in kilos divided by 2.2? Let me do the, I can't do it in my head. 160. Yeah. About six. Wow. 60. Yeah, 132 so, divided by 2.2. Yeah. 60. Yeah. Good one. Yeah. And then so. <laughs> I, I deadlifted uh, 530 pounds, so 530 divided by 2 point, hold on, 530 divided by 2.2. That's 240.9 kilos. That's insane. So, uh, yeah, That's so, so insane. That was, <laughs> sumo or conventional? Was, I did it sumo. I, sumo, I, was, yeah, yeah, okay. I never are liked conventional. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. super how, short. How yeah. short are you? Uh, five foot four. I don't know what that oh, is. So you basically had to lift it like this fucking power off the ground. <laughs> I'm just jealous. That's all. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so it's actually, my sumo stance is like, it's pretty moderate. It's not yeah. super wide. Yeah. Um, but conventional always wrecked my back. Like it yeah. always wrecked my back, even with, with sub sub maximal weight, like it just never felt good. So mm. I'll do conventional Romanian deadlifts, but conventional mm. from the floor, just like didn't feel Agreed. good for me at all. So I would, I would always go moderate sumo. It's impressive. What about squat? Can you go to good squat? Yeah, I got a three times body weight squat. Uh, so uh, bench? at one thirty two, uh, bench was my weakness. Yeah, same. Uh, yeah. Uh, bench. I bench pressed two sixty five at weighing one thirty two. Wow. So, uh, so that's still pretty amazing. Times. It that's, was good, yeah. but like not like in terms of like world records. Yeah. Uh, my my deadlift was was like world class. My deadlift was really like got people to know who I was. Um, I'm one of like 10 people in the world to ever deadlift four times body weight squat was very good. It wasn't like world-class, but it was very, very good to have a three times body weight squat bench press for other people in a world-class uh, scenario. Like mine is nothing. It's chumps. <laughs> it's like, like to, it's, it's a, it's a good bench press, but it's not, it's nothing to get noticed by reckon. Yeah. I, I care way more about chin-ups than I do about bench press. Like I care yeah. like much more about like weighted chin-ups and, and how yeah. much you can do there than I could, than I do dips. about that. Get some, get bang out some yeah, good dips. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where it's at. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, impressive. <laughs> I just wanted to talk about that quickly. Cause you know, we, the women that we work with, we really encourage them to strength train and get strong, like really strong. I and I that. think, you know, so many women, when they come to us, you know, like they're like, oh, I want to look toned and athletic, you know. Yeah. And I had so I had a couple of calls yesterday. These women like, oh, Kitty, you know, I just don't, I don't want to look as muscular as you, you know. Like I just, I'm worried about lifting. I said, look, I've been lifting for nine fucking years. Like it's pretty hard to look like me. I'm pretty fucking yeah, strong. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's not like you're just going to pick up a double. I don't think they, and we can talk about this too. Like they don't realize how strong they need to get to look Correct. muscular, you know. Um, But yeah. Anyway, so maybe, well, where can we even start about what's it, what's interesting is, um, so when I first started coaching, I thought I was only going to coach like big, hairy, sweaty dudes who wanted <laughs> to lift heavy weight. And, and it was interesting. I started getting into coaching around like 2005 mm-hmm. and, and at that point there weren't that many women in powerlifting yet. Um, mm-hmm. but it was, it was almost like women started to really get involved in powerlifting on a large scale, probably around like 2009, 2010. And I just, I hit it at the right time because I'm a small guy. Like I'm not huge. I'm not like super muscular, but I can pull a fuck ton of weight. And like, I would be in the gym and I'd be lifting way heavier than the guys who were way more jacked than I was. And I'd be posting videos online and I pulled four times body weight. And, and what was funny is a lot of women started to reach out to me, not men, because the women were like, I want to be strong, but I don't want to look super bulky. And this guy's doing that. So like the majority of my clients, about 80% of my clients are women and the vast majority of them, they want to get really strong, but they don't want to look bulky. And so that's actually how I got started in my career was (laughs) women who are like, I want to get strong. I just, I don't want to get huge. And I I was like, I don't know if that's a compliment or not, but like, (laughs) all right. (laughs) Yeah, we want to look like you, Jordan. <laughs> yeah, like we want, 
we want to stay small and like, and granted, like in order for me to compete at 132, I deliberately did not build a lot of muscle because I didn't want to go out of my weight class. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that was the majority of my clients like That's early so on funny. and even now are women who just, they wanted to get strong without a lot of the size and they don't understand that. Well, it's, it's hard. To, it's really hard though. Like, I think like, so you know, like they look at like, for example, like the world's best, like IFBB pro bodybuilder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when they compete on stage, they're like fucking 60 kilos or 65 kilos or some shit. Like they're like, t- they're tiny, but they look so muscular because they're so yeah. lean and it yep. really is, you know, like it's so hard to build like it's hard as a female obviously it takes years you know it's not like you and you're gonna look bulky if you don't lose the fat yes correct correct maybe let's talk about that the strength training why why do you like strength training for women and (laughs) it's funny like my favorite quote around this is like being worried that lifting weights is going to make you look like a bodybuilder is like being worried that driving your car to the grocery store is going to make you turn into a nascar race driver like it's just it's, it's not that easy. You know, if you, if you're, if you're driving it to the grocery store, you're not all of a sudden going to turn into a professional race car driver just because you lift some heavy weights. Doesn't mean you're going to turn into a bulky bodybuilder at all. Um, you said it's, it's hard for women to build muscle. I mean, fuck it's hard for men to build muscle and it's even right. harder for women. Like sure. it's really, really difficult. Um, and Arnold Schwarzenegger has a famous quote where people would be like, well, I don't want to look like you. And he'd be like, don't worry. You will never look like me. Yeah. 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 I love that reel you did actually recently. I don't know if it was recent, but it was about the CrossFit. The chicks yeah, going yeah, yeah. And you're like talking about, talk about that reel. Cause I thought you just summed it up so perfectly in that. Yeah. I mean, people, this it's so funny. So I do Q and A's multiple times a week, almost every day. And, and sometimes when people want me to answer their question, they'll ask the same question every single day over and over and over again, which like fair, like they want me to answer their question. And this one woman kept asking if lifting weights doesn't make you bulky, then why are CrossFit girls so bulky? And, and I was like, man, this is a, it was basically this woman was from the way I perceived it was she doesn't want to lift weights because she doesn't want to get bulky. And she's trying to, to, she's looked at the top 1% of CrossFit female athletes as a way to justify why she's not lifting weights. It's like, you look at the top 1% of any athletes in the world, ne- never mind athletes, look at the top 1% of chess players in the world, look at their lifestyle. Like you don't want to live that lifestyle, but if you want to get better at chess, you got to play more fucking chess. And so like it, it's when, when I was making that video, my whole point was like, listen, you're looking at the top 1% of competitors. You're looking at the CrossFit open. You're looking at the people who are literally the best in the world, who are probably on performance enhancing drugs, which is, I have no issue with that, but like, you have to be aware of that. They're, they're probably doing it. Um, they've been training intensely for so many years. And every time they go to the gym, they go harder than you could ever imagine. Like they're not going to the gym and giving it like a seven out of 10 or an eight, like they're, they're giving it 10 out of 10. And that's where muscles built. And it's like, when they don't feel like going to the gym, they're in the gym where they don't feel like going hard in the gym. They're going harder than you can ever imagine in the gym. Like they're not taking light. They like, so it, they're going so hard. You can't comprehend it. And so you're looking at the people and not only all that, they're also the most genetically gifted. They're the ones who are like, they're the elite of the elite of the elite, because that's how they were born. Like they were born that way. They were going to build muscle more easily. They're going to build strength more easily. Um, I mean, we look at someone, it's sort of like looking at LeBron James or Michael Jordan. It's like, these are the elite of the elite of the elite, no matter what, they're going to be amazing at it because they're born that way. And it doesn't mean they don't work hard for it. They work harder than anybody, but they also have the genetic predisposition for it. So the vast majority of women are not going to get super bulky from doing CrossFit or lifting weights. There are some women who, if they go at an unbelievable intensity and train for their career to try and become a career CrossFit athlete, then yeah, they'll get fucking bulky. But if you're like a mom of a couple of kids and you're working a full-time job or whatever it is, and you're training a few times a week, good fucking luck getting bulky. It's never going to happen. It's It's never going to happen. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think too, like they, you know, it's also the, the nutrition a lot of the women we work with too, you know, like they don't really understand how like consistent they need to be to get the results. Like, you know, maybe let's talk about, and I think sometimes people get a bit funny about this, like to lose body fat, you need to eat in a calorie deficit, but you have Mm -hmm. to, you know, and a lot of women that I talk to, and this is just a good example of this, like a client that came into our program, she's working with Craig, my partner, and we were on some group call and she's like, you know, when I started the program before I met Craig, I was eating 1600 calories, but I was gaining weight. Now Craig's got me under just under 2000 calories and I've lost like, I don't know, five kilos in 12 weeks or 16 weeks. And she's not huge. She was like 75 and went down to 70 or something. And I was like, well, that's not possible. 
<laughs> I said, you know, that's that's not not positive. And I said, tell me more about how you were tracking your food and what you were doing. And then as I dug a bit deeper, oh yeah, I wasn't tracking accurately and weighing things properly. And so Correct. you were obviously eating more than what he had you on. Correct. So it's more coming back to, and I think so many they're like, oh, kitty, but I eat twelve hundred calories. And I'm not losing weight. Like, is it possible for a woman to be 100 kilos and eat 1,200 calories and not consistently? If we take their mouth shut after 1,200 calories, and that, no. would they? It's not possible, is it? It's, it's impossible. Yeah. And even and people are like, well, you don't know about hormone disorders. No, yeah. no, yeah. no. Yeah, it's and, not and possible. Say, it's people get mad at me when I say this, but I'm like, if you don't think it's possible, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pay for a first class ticket to fly you to me. I'm going to put you up in a five-star hotel for two weeks, every night. We're going to, we're going to monitor everything you eat and everything that you do. And we're going to make sure, and we're going to see what, what happens over the course of these two weeks. These are people who are like, I'm eating 1200 calories. I'm not losing weight. I'm like, we're going to make sure that you, you eat 1200 calories for two weeks straight. And we'll see if you lose weight or not. And I'll be like, if you don't lose weight, then the entire trip is on me, all of it. But if you do lose weight, you have to cover the cost of the flights and the hotels and all the food. No one's taken me up on it yet. No matter how adamantly they say that they, uh, that like they, it's impossible. It's not working for them. No one has ever taken me up on that. And I, I will, I will offer that forever. I will always offer that to someone, but no one's taken me up on it. Cause they fucking know. They know, they know, you know, like Craig often talks about, he loves a good study, Craig, the metabolic ward studies. And he was telling me about yeah. it. And I'm like, so what you're telling me, he's like, he said to me, there's thousands of these metabolic ward studies, Kitty. And he was talking about one recent one about like the thermogen, I don't know. I can't remember, but basically I said, so what you're saying is that in every single one of these metabolic start studies, no one has not lost weight. And he's like, every time. So it's not possible. And look, if you're listening to this, ladies, we're not suggesting you eat 1,200 calories. You don't no, no, need no. to do that. Like what, what we found is that once you actually track accurately, like our motto is like eat more, train less, get results. When we say eat more, we mean like don't do dumb shit, eat 1,200 calories. Like we've got women who've lost like 15 kilos, eating 2,000 calories a day, tracking their food, getting enough protein, walking, strength training. Yeah. Like once you actually, you can actually eat a lot more than you think and lose weight yeah. gradually and sustainably. So it's like- now, There are- it is worth saying, because I've seen this going around, like I've, I've seen people saying 1200 calories is as much as a toddler eats. I'm like, you have no fucking clue how much a toddler eats. Number one, <laughs> number two is, uh, and they say that as a justification to say no adult should be eating 1200 calories. It's like, well, if you've ever coached anybody and a significant number of people, there are mainly women who are, I don't know, they're like five foot, uh, and they're 115, 120 pounds that actually might be an appropriate amount for them to eat. So they're not the majority of women and the majority of women and overall people should be eating more than that. But I fucking hate it when people put these like mm. uh, these uh, overarching things saying you should never eat 1200 calories. Like, mm. well, if you've never coached anybody, you have no idea what you're talking about. Some people, <laughs> it makes sense. Do you really they think that Jordan, like you, like every, like we, we majority get women who are bigger and higher body fat. Correct. Like Correct. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we get these tiny women and they're Correct. like 49 kilos and they are yes. actually eating 1200 calories, but they're fucked. Like they've got all these yep. like hormonal issues and then we reverse diet them. And it's actually amazing how high we can get their calories once they like, yeah, do you really think someone really for good health should be eating 1200 calories like it depends, term. It, depends on their, it depends on their size right i mean like it really it depends on the individual and their size i mean like mm. if you take someone who's like 100 pounds 105 pounds like mm. i would ideally like to get them strength training so they can eat more mm. but i mean if you think about that like how like a, a pound of muscle mm. allows you to eat, like burns how many more calories do you know how much how many more calories a pound it's of not a lot burn? is it it's not a lot is it it's not like, a heap it's like six calories per yeah. pound of muscle. So you take that person, they gain 10 pounds of muscle, which is a fuck ton, by the way. So congratulations. <laughs> you can now eat six pounds, 60 more calories because you've added 10 pounds of muscle. This is another myth perpetuated by the fitness industry. People think like, oh, well, you gain all this muscle. You're going to eat so much more. It's mm. not so much more. It's really mm. not like it's, it's important for your health for so many reasons, but like, depending on the size of the person they're like it for the a very small percentage of people it might actually make sense but the vast majority no they could eat more for sure yeah it's look like obviously you don't know me but just a quick just talking about this and having more muscle um 
we were trying for a baby for a couple of years and we ended up deciding we were not, not going to do it. And over the course of two years, I put on about maybe 6%, 7% body fat. So once we decided that that wasn't what we were going to do anymore, we set some new like 12 month goals. So we did like a mini cut to just lose some of the body fat, get back, you know, sort of in between 20, 25. And I'm pretty strong and I've got a lot of muscle and I haven't dieted for a long time. Like I've, yep. it's been years and years and years. So I think like we, in a four or five week period, average 2,120 calories. And I just, the body fat just dropped off me. Obviously I'm stronger. Yep. I've got more muscle, but also activity levels. I think too, mm-hmm. like people don't realize, like I'm very yep. active. Like I'd probably do 12 to 15,000 steps a day and yep. I'm strong you know, maybe talk about the activity levels. I think people underestimate how much that NEAT affects how much they can eat. The NEAT is, is everything. And and Mm. it's, it's NEAT is everything, not only for weight loss, but also for health. Mm. Um, If we're looking at like longevity and for how long people can live in like long, healthy lives, um, total steps per day is is by far the most important thing we're looking at. And there's research showing this very clearly that you could have someone who has a healthy body weight, but if they're a healthy healthy body fat percentage, but if they're not active, they're significantly more likely to die earlier from any number of issues. And so the fitness industry often focuses only on body fat, but it's like, what's your activity level? Like, are you moving regularly? We're not designed to sit down all day and do nothing like and and this is where we it's been actually really scary i'm sure you've seen a number of world-class bodybuilders have died in the last few years like it, we don't know what their activity level was like and it's it's very scary to see people who are who are might actually look very healthy but mm-hmm. not be on the inside um mm-hmm. so that's why i'm such a huge proponent of getting people out and moving and walking it and increasing their neat but um in terms of of how many calories you can eat. That's super important because we see a lot of, uh, a lot of these like fit fluencers on Instagram be like these, these, especially like these young women who like, they're like 130 pounds, right. We'll call it like about 60 kilos saying they're eating like 4,500 calories a day. And I'm like, all right, well, how are you walking 40,000 steps a day? Cause like that <laughs> fucking matters. Like they're not telling you that they're doing three hours of cardio every day. They're just making it seem like, Oh, I reverse dieted. And now I can eat this much. It's like, no, you did not yeah, yeah, add yeah, that yeah. much muscle and you're walking and doing so much cardio to burn off that extra amount. So it has a massive impact on it. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I think trying to get at least at, at least for, for my uh, beginner clients, like 7,500 steps a day, like is the yeah, tier yeah. one getting up to about 10,000 to 15,000, I think is really, really, really important over the long term. But most people are not getting more than like 3,500 steps a day. And like, that's on the Mm -hmm. high end for a lot of people. So Mm -hmm. if you want to eat more calories, like you should be moving more, like it can, it adds up very quickly. Mm. And would you say too, like one of the things we do with our clients is like, like look where you're at and just like build up. Like, you know, some women, they'll set these unrealistic goals and they quit because they're like, oh, it's too hard. So like you said, if you're doing three and a half thousand, maybe aim for five for a week. Yes, And then six and then gradually like increase um, and do what you can fit in your lifestyle. Obviously, you know, the calories, the the depth, that's going to be the driver of the the main driver, the diet. But you're right. Like you can eat so much more. And I always think, well, I just want to eat more. I really like eating, you know? So, (laughs) so. It's good like, to be able to eat more. I like eating and I love, I love having a few glasses of wine at night with my wife. Yeah. Like I love it. And like, yeah, I, it's one of my favorite parts of my day. And like mm. my rule is if I don't get 10,000 steps in, then I'm not having wine. Mm. Like period. Like it's, it's the, <laughs> I love wine, but the whole idea that like a couple glasses of wine is good for you. It's like, all right, it's fucking alcohol. Like it's, it's, that's it's way overplayed. It's not yeah, good for you, but you like, enjoy just, it. And your rest of your diet is good. And you like, it's, it's in context. I think you've got to like some of our women, like I was a massive drinker. Like I drank every night, like excessively. I drank to cope with stress. You know, I under ate, you know, and a lot of the women we get, like they'll have those drinks and they binge eat. And I always say to them, they ask me whether they should drink. And I think I say, it depends. It depends. Like if you're someone who's excessively drinking, you use it to cope with stress. Like I did, I would do, like I did a stinner like seven months and I didn't drink to prove to myself that I could do it. And now I just drink like when I, like we'll go to a party on the weekend, I'll have a few drinks and it's more for enjoyment rather than going, it's I'm relying on it. Cause like you say, it's not really adding anything, but then I think I just fucking love cocktails and sometimes I want to drink some fucking cocktails, you know, like, so I drink them. I don't have a great sleep. 
ever. Like I just don't sleep. Oh but I get up the next day. I just eat my normal food. You know, I don't go yeah. out and fucking. I used to just like hammer KFC and you know, <laughs> like like I'd be stumbling home it. from the clubs, drinking, you know, <laughs> eating like New York slice pizza. So yeah, do you think alcohol? Like it's like a you got to ask yourself like why am I drinking it? How much am I drinking? Correct. And, yeah. and listen, it's it's an addictive substance, and, and like, <laughs> it is I, fun. I'm not going to be. It's super fun, but like it's legitimately addictive. People have real issues with it. Um, so if you, it's fun. I remember I had a client. Her, her name was Kelly. She's amazing. Still really good friends. When we first started working together, um, this is years ago. Uh, for this is like 2014, 2015. When we first started working together, for the first three months, she made zero progress with her weight loss, and and like zero. And she was like, "Well, what's going on?" And I was like, "Well, Kelly, you're t- you're having like 15 drinks a week, like oh, you're." you're, you're drinking a lot. And she was like, well, I'm not really willing to give it up. And I was like, well, that's okay. But like, then you have to really figure out if if this goal is worth it to you or not. Like, I'm not going to tell you to stop drinking, but like, is it worth it to you? And I was like, here, here's an idea. Let's, let's give up alcohol for 30 days. And I was like, I was like, to be honest with you, if you can't give up alcohol for 30 days, that's indicative of a much bigger problem than what we're discussing right now. So give it up for 30 days and let's just see how you feel. She's like, you know what? Fine. We'll do a 30 day, no alcohol challenge in one month. She lost four pounds. So she made more progress than she had in the three months prior. And that was enough for her to be like, holy shit. Like I'm not going to give up alcohol, but she went from 15 drinks a week to four drinks a week. And then she was actually able to make sustainable progress. So so I think in that situation, it's the perfect example of you can still have it and still make progress, but you've got to figure out like, how much can you have? Is it worth it to you? That's and right. you know, if, like, I don't work with bodybuilders or physique athletes, but like when you're trying to get to unbelievably lean levels, you're going to have to give some shit up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, after, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, power lifters, you, you have a little bit more leeway. <laughs> like It's like, all right, whatever. Like you, you can have much more fun. Uh, but when you're trying to be a physique better or, or like maybe an elite athlete, even like if I'm comp- uh, uh, prepping for a jujitsu competition now, yeah. I know like I, I, my, my Garmin tracks my sleep. Yeah. Holy shit. I did not realize how much alcohol messes with my sleep. It's like, I had no idea. I'm the same. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. This Garmin watch alone is the reason why I reduced my alcohol because yeah. it's so funny. I used to think that I was getting great sleep whenever I drank. Cause I just went right to bed, but yeah. I don't tell the Garmin when I drink alcohol, it has no idea, but without fail, every single time, if I have more than two glasses of wine, my yeah. sleep is fucked. And it's, my tar- body it's so bad. Power, it's crazy. It's, it's really <laughs> unbelievable. So I hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. I just wanted to jump in quickly and talk about Saturay's, well, specifically Saturay's face cream. We released our skincare. It's probably been about two months now, and we're starting to see some incredible testimonials come in about the face cream. Now, the face cream is a really concentrated everyday cream, so it's based entirely in saturated fatty acids. So there's no unstable um, PUFAs. It contains a ton of really amazing uh, pro-metabolic actives. So cholesterol, urea, and niacinamide, which improve the barrier function of the skin. They also support hydration and more youthful skin function. Neurinogen, which I can never say properly, <laughs> and caffeine, which really protect against and relieve uh, UV damage um, and other really skin-loving ingredients such as copper, CoQ10, um, and they support skin cell metabolism and elastin production. So even I have noticed, because I was using it sporadically on and off just in between, with the samples that we had when we were getting it made, but you know, one thing I've noticed is uh, I, because we live on the Gold Coast and I'm an absolute sun lover, so we get sun a lot of sun. We're down the beach, and even though I try and cover my face with a hat, you know, I often get some sun, and I had a little bit of sun damage, and I really noticed that that has evened out, and the pigmentation has evened out on my skin. I've noticed the same thing um, with Craig, and I just feel like my skin is really quite plump. And you know, of all the testimonials that we've got back, people are saying the same um, things. And you know, they're saying a little bit goes a long way. Um, you know, they've really noticed difference in their skin health and texture. Um, and yeah, it's probably and even people saying it's the best pure free skincare that they have they have tried. So 
I'm going to drop a link to the skincare in the show notes and you can use discount code KITTY, so capitals K-I-T-T-Y-05, and that'll give you 10% of all the skincare and all the products. Um, yeah, I highly recommend trying it out. And like I said, a little bit goes a long way, so the, so the bottle will really last. So let's get back to this super entertaining podcast. I had big Stan Effedine on the podcast. He's been on a couple of times. Just love yeah, Stan. He's awesome. He's I love so him, good. Yeah. I just love him so much. And he's he we were talking about booze, the same thing. And he was, you know, like talking about how you don't get that deep sleep when you drink the alcohol and you fall asleep and you may feel like you're sleeping better. And the, but then you wake up tired. And we were just talking about the same thing. And I think too, like you have to go, if you're gonna drink, you have to, it's taking ownership. And then you have to yes. go, well, what are, what are the results I'm going to get? I need to take ownership and go, okay, maybe I didn't get as good of results as I wanted this week or two weeks and ask yourself if you're happy with that. It just annoys me when I get annoyed when people don't take ownership and go like, oh, like I'm like, I don't right. give a fuck what you do. If you want to drink, but you need to accept that these are the results that you get. And as long as you're okay with that, slow progress is fine. Correct. It's, yeah. It's do what you Didn't want, it. but accept it. Yeah, it's literally everything. It's so funny. I would get clients who'd be like, Hey, um, I, I got your program. Is it okay if I add like four CrossFit wads on top of it? And I'll be like, listen, like you said, I don't give a fuck what you do. If you want to do that, fine, but don't complain about the results you didn't get on my program when you're not doing my fucking program. Like I gave you everything you need to do. If you yeah, add yeah. more stuff on top of it, or you don't do what I tell you to do, then you're not doing my program. So you can't complain. So I said I, from the outset, I was like, listen, if you want to add more, go for it, but you are no longer doing my program. So you cannot complain about results. People get like, like, oh shit. Okay. Like that makes sense. So same thing with alcohol, same thing with workouts, like everything, take responsibility for what you're doing. Yeah. And it's totally fine to make slow progress. Totally. Yeah. Slow progress is better. Like we have this motto, like chip away 1%, you know, imperfect, um, consistent progress. Cause that's, because a lot of the women we work with, they try to be perfect and then they get derailed and they do nothing. So I'm like, look, just, you know, if you fuck it up in the afternoon, don't make the rest of the day, like don't throw the baby yeah. out with the bathwater, you know, just pick yourself Correct. up. And once they sort of learn that, you know, cause it's your progress is never going to be linear, right? Like you're always going to have these ups and downs, but I think then there's just taking the piss and, yes. you know, like, <laughs> And yeah. you only have yourself to blame. And I think once you can, it's pretty empowering knowing that you can like really achieve anything. And, and it was you would as well. We've seen, had some incredible transformations, not only physical, but emotional and how it transfers into the rest of their life. And it's like, it's up to you. You can Correct. make excuses or you can get results, I think. And I don't, you know, but I mean, there's sometimes too, like as an example, women who've got young babies, like this is a time of life where your kid's going to wake you up. You got to just Correct. accept that you're not going to be smashing out the best gym workouts, nourish your body, eat well, focus on what you walk, you know, it's going to be Correct. slow and that's also okay. Like maybe talk about having realistic expectations as to how long it takes to build. You know, a lot of women come into our program like I really want to look like you kitty. You know, and I'm like you could yeah. totally do that, but you know like I think it's you know these programs that say you're going to like eight week challenges, oh. get your dream body in eight weeks, you know. Shut up. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's like eight weeks. It didn't take you eight weeks to like get, get where you are now. It's not going to take eight. It's like, if you, if, if it takes you 10 weeks walking into the forest, it's going to take you 10, uh, like at way more than at least 10 weeks to walk out of the forest. Right. Like it takes a long fucking time. If it takes, if you walked in the forest for 10 years, it's going to take you 10 years to walk back out. So I'll give you an example from my life. So for, for the majority of my life, like I was very, for me, my whole family was academic and very smart and teachers and lawyers and doctors. And I was the stupid one. Like I was in special education, but I was very athletic. I loved athletics and sports and all of that. So like, that's what I gravitated towards. Um, so my whole life, I was like always in shape and fit and working out like, cause I loved it. And that's what I was good at. We tend to gravitate towards the things that we're good at. So when I got a job coaching Gary Vaynerchuk, he's just a big, big, uh, entrepreneur, um, I, the whole job was coaching him seven days a week for three years straight. And if he was in Hong was Kong, that amazing? was it oh, amazing you'll spending hear. time <laughs> with him? Like, is he just, cause he's obviously I've never met him, but follow him yeah. and follow all his work and just think he's incredible. Yeah. He's amazing. He's incredible. And he's exactly who he is offline that he is online, like amazing guy. Yeah. Um, 
it's just it's an insane schedule. Like he's busier than the United States of America. Like he's it's it's unbelievable. Uh, than like the president of the United States. He's his schedule is insane. He wakes up at like five in the morning, uh, gets a workout in every day, um, and then you know he has everything is in his calendar from his shower to his drive to the office. But like so, this is all pre-COVID. So this is from June one, two thousand sixteen, and June one, two thousand nineteen. And if he was in Hong Kong, I was in Hong Kong. If he was in LA, I was in LA. If he was in Amsterdam, I was in Amsterdam. If he was in London, I was in London. Like seven days a week three years straight, no weekends, no vacations, no breaks. So you trained every him every day. day, every day, every day, so every you, single You day. just traveled with him. Yeah. Traveled with him. How, how, wow. So there were times where there was one trip in particular, went from New York because we were based in New York, went from New York. We were in Ireland for eight hours. I trained him in Ireland during that eight hour since he had a big uh, keynote speech. So I trained him there. From there, we flew to uh, Amsterdam. We were in Amsterdam for 16 hours. From Amsterdam, we flew to New York. We were in New York for less than 24 hours. Then we flew to uh, LA. We were in LA for 48 hours, flew back to New York. I mean, this is like a regular week. Um, So the reason I tell this story is because now for the first time in my life during this three-year window, I couldn't focus on my health and my fitness and my training like I used to. I went from being an elite world-class powerlifter, deadlifting four times my body weight to this schedule where I, I would often not have a gym or I wouldn't have access to it or I was fucking jet lagged and exhausted. And, and I was also trying to build my business. I was coaching Gary. I had like 80 one-on-one coaching clients. I was building my inner circle at the time. Like I had, my schedule was insane. And I was also trying to post on Instagram three times a day on YouTube, one time a week doing my podcast. Like my schedule was nuts. And so I had a conversation with myself. First of all, I almost quit three times in the first six months because I was like, this is it's, it's, I can't do it. I just, I couldn't do it. And I almost quit three times, but I made a deal with Gary for three years. So I didn't, I didn't quit. But after those six months, the first six months, I was like, I need to be okay with gaining some body fat, losing some muscle and not prioritizing my own health and fitness for the next two and a half years, because that's not my main goal right now. And like my, in my mind, I was like, I'm not going to stop working out. I'm not just going to eat like an asshole all the time, but like, I am not going to continue to make progress. Like I used to, I'm not going to go to a 4.3 times bodyweight deadlift. I'm not going to stay super lean. Like I'm going to focus on my business and focus on Gary. And I know I'm not going to get as good sleep as I could. And, uh, and my, um, my body fat's going to go up and my muscles going to go down and I'm going to look different. And if you follow my YouTube videos over the course of those years, you will see I got softer. I got weaker. Like you can see it in my body, in my face. Like there's no question about it, but it was worth it. And it was all knowing that once those three years were over, I could get right back on track. Like I can then focus on my health. I can focus on my fitness. And that's exactly what I did. And now, like, I think right now I'm the healthiest I've ever been. I'm not the strongest I've ever been. Uh, I'm not the, the fastest I've ever been, but my, my heart health, my cardio, my conditioning, my overall strength and performance, my jujitsu is the best it's ever been in my entire life. And now it's been, I stopped on June 1, 2019, and now it's July 6th, 2022. So several years later now I'm like in the best shape I've ever been in. And the reason that I bring that up is because let's say you're, you're a parent of a small child, like, and, or maybe several small kids, like it's not the time to be at peak performance. Most likely <laughs> if you've got a business or you've got three kids or whatever it is, like, you're probably not going to be at your peak. That's okay. You can still do enough to stay healthy for yourself mm-hmm. and for your family. You can still take action. You can still get your steps in. You can still try and stay hydrated, get a couple lifting sessions a week, but mm-hmm. you're not going to be at your peak performance. And that's okay. You just have to be honest with yourself and understand now isn't the time to go all in on this. Now is the time to go all in on my kids, all in on my family, all in my business, whatever it is. And then in a few years, when they're a little bit older and things are a little bit more uh, stable, then if I want to, I can try and really reach a peak. But like, you have to be honest with what's going on in your life right now. Mm, I like what you said though about like, because a lot of the women that we speak to, you know, you said it's not, not an excuse to eat like an asshole and go and start because a lot of the women I speak to, like, you know, done all the diets, they're drinking, they're stressed. And it's like, just, you can do those basic things, like spend some time planning and prepping some food every week. You know, we, we, we say to them, look, can you commit to two to three days of strength training? Just try and do that some steps every day, like whatever that looks like, you know, just do those basic things, try and get some sleep, you know, get some sun. It's like, you can actually, and, and I think too, once they, you know, like prioritize themselves and start to sometimes say no to things. Cause some women have said to me too, they're like, oh, I just became a martyr kitty. Like, 
you know, I have to do everything. And once I realized that I was actually going to be a better mom, I don't have kids, so I can't comment on being a parent. But what they say to me is once they actually do these things, they're more patient with their kids. They want to give you them can, more. You bring up, an, like, of course you can comment on it. Like you've worked with so many people who are parents. Mm. Uh, obviously you can't say I'm a parent because that's <laughs> a lie. And I know but what like, it feels like. Yeah, I don't know what it feels like. Yeah, you don't, but you can comment on it. You can have an opinion on it based on your, your, your expert opinion, based on working with so many people through this. Like, I hate that, that narrative, especially in politics, like, well, you've never experienced it. So you can't comment on it. It's like, well, under that logic, then the only a doc, the only doctor who can comment on cancer is a doctor who's had cancer. True. That is true. I I guess I can say, I don't know what it feels like. Exactly. I don't know what it feels like. But I can give you some strategies to help yes. you be healthier, which is what which is what we do. And you know, they tell me all the time. They get out the other end of the program, and they're like, "Oh, you know, I'm sleeping better. I've got more energy, and I'm stronger, and I've lost body fat, and I just feel happier. You know, I'm better yes. with my kids." And like you say, if you can't, and I always say to them, "Look, if you can't just do though, because you you can control what you put in your mouth most of the time. Yes, like you, and if you're constantly binge eating and drinking to suppress, like feel like there's maybe some deeper issues that you need to." You know, like you can choose, you can choose what, what to, what to do next. And so, yeah, no, I agree. There's like, so just very basic things that you can do to obviously improve your health. And, you know, like I interviewed this lady on our podcast, she did our program very initially when we launched it. She's been out of it for like three years, she's in her fifties. She's like, I, she's like, I knuckled down for 12 months, Kitty. I learned everything. I tracked my food religiously. I trained four days a week, you know, changed my body composition because she wasn't a big lady, like 62 kilos, but she had cellulite, she said, and she was just wanted to be more toned um and she's been out of the program three years now she's like i'm the best shape i've ever been training two days a week full body i walk every day i still eat like between two to two and a half thousand calories i don't religiously track but i use it as a tool to fall back on if i need to like it's just that's perfect yeah that's that's the goal right there like the dream she's like i go to the beach now my bikini at 50 you know because like and actually this is another topic that i've talked about too with um i did recorded this last week with a friend of mine, Amy, she's like into, um, she's like a gymnast and, um, uh, Olympic lifter. So she's real jacked. She looks good. She, I love muscles as you can probably tell, but (laughs) you know, like I I get this, uh, women get on calls with me and they sort of, in a way, they feel bad for saying that they want to look better. It's like Mm. the whole body positive movement has gone too far. And in a way you're a bit ashamed that you actually want to look better. And I'm like, it's fine to want to look better. Just don't do dumb shit to get there. Like you can have a great physique if you put the work in and you eat well and you prioritize sleep. Like, what do you think about that? What do you think about this whole, like wanting to look better and, you know, like. I think who the fuck is anybody to tell you what you should and should not want to do. Like if Mm -hmm. you want to lose body fat and, and build more muscle, like, fuck yeah, I'm going to help you do it. (laughs) Like that, I think that's amazing. That's an incredible goal. And I think that a lot of the people who say like, well, you shouldn't be doing that are people who, who just failed doing that for their whole life. And they feel bad that they didn't do it. So then they're going to get mad at anybody else who says they want to do it. It's mm-hmm. like, uh, like, listen, whatever your goal, as, as long as your goal isn't to be a fucking murderer or a rapist, <laughs> like fine, like I'll support you. Like, you know, like if, yeah. if your goal is to improve yourself, cool. I don't give a shit what it is. I'm going to try and help you in whatever way I can. And if I can't, I'll find someone that can, but yeah. like the whole idea that, that like someone should not like want to improve their physique or, or that, like there's all, like, oh, well it's, it's saying that other physiques aren't as worthy. No, that's not what we're saying. And we're not saying to treat people poorly based on how they look. But if someone comes to me and says they want to improve their body composition and they want to uh, lose fat and build muscle, like that's not a bad thing. And shaming them is equally as bad as shaming someone else because of how they look. So mm-hmm. let's just support people with what they want to do. Like it's mm-hmm. not that fucking complicated. <laughs> no, so I love that about you. Keep it really simple. Can, let's talk about carbs because a lot of the women that come to me and I was the same, like I was like, I cut, you know, all of these, like I cut carbs, I cut dairy, I cut fruit out of my diet, sugar, never ate sugar. Like, can you talk about like we, like women in our program eat carbs and like we've had a woman who's lost 46 kilos eating carbs. That's amazing. Like, yeah. Like, so can you talk about carbs and yeah, why you don't need to be keto to lose weight? Like you don't have to do drastic stuff. Sounds miserable being keto. <laughs> Sounds fucking awful. I love carbohydrates. Like, they're really important. Uh, and a lot of people who uh, are anti-carbs, they say things like, well, you know, they're they're not essential to survival. You don't actually need them to survive. I'm like, cool. Do you have an air conditioner in your house? 
Like, do you sleep it's on a fucking dumbest argument, hey? Don't you reckon? It's like, so stupid. Of course you can survive without them, but you're not yeah. thriving. You're not Correct. optimal. You're just surviving. <laughs> there, there are no elite athletes who, uh, like, like, I don't care what sport we're playing, there's no elite athletes who avoid carbohydrates ever. They're ever. And it's not, it's because they're not trying to just survive. They're trying to be the best at what they do. And so what they're doing is they're eating carbs because they know it's going to improve their performance. So the idea that like using the argument, well, you don't need it to survive is a very stupid, flawed, ignorant argument. So it's like, if you're following that train of logic, then get rid of your bed, get rid of your air conditioner, get rid of your car, get rid of your house. Like none of this is needed to survive. So, and with all that being said, I mean, carbs, like they just, they taste really good. And they, they make do. you feel better. They do. And like, obviously, like, listen, you could drink so much water that you die. You could drink so much water that you dilute your blood and you die. Too much of anything is bad for you. So yeah, there, you could eat too many carbs, but mm. it's more like if you keep your energy intact, in other words, your calories, if you keep your total energy consumption in check, it's impossible to eat too many carbs because your total calories are in check. So if you've got your calories in check, you've got your protein in check and you fill the rest with carbs and fats, like you're fine. You're good. It's yeah. impossible to overdo it at that point. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's so good. And we the same. Like I just women went once we get them eating more carbs, tracking their food, obviously eating the right amount for them. Because obviously, yes. someone like me, for example, who's training five days a week, walking ten to fifteen thousand steps a day, is going to need more carbs than someone who's training yes, three days exactly. and walking five thousand. So you know, you, that's why the tracking's really, really good. But we just see the improvements in sleep, mood, energy performance in the gym you know like and they just you're right taste better like i i i make ice cream i've got this ice cream maker i've just about eaten chocolate ice cream with banana every night for the last eight years because i just love it (laughs) and i just love ice cream like you know and what about sugar you know like i think i was always so afraid to eat sugar Uh, and i like i'm not saying that you should go out and eat 10 cups of white sugar that would be silly because that's just carbohydrates devoid of nutrients but and you wouldn't even enjoy it yeah, they're so afraid of like, you know, oh, I want to have one teaspoon of sugar in my coffee or I want to have some ice cream that has a bit of sugar in it. Like, yeah, God forbid. Like number <laughs> like the coffee thing kills me. It's like, how many people do you know who got fat from having sugar in their coffee? It's like, no, it's, it's not that it's, if they're, if they're, it's the, if it's the coffee, it's because they're going to Starbucks and getting a fucking coffee with a whole <laughs> cheesecake in it. Like that's the fucking problem. It's, it's not the one teaspoon of sugar and milk it's, or the heavy creamer. It's like, well, you're having the cheesecake in your coffee at Starbucks, mocha frappe latte, chino latte. And you're also getting like, like everything else that you're eating throughout the day. Um, no, sugar is not inherently bad. It's sugar is not addicting. Sugar is not an addictive substance. Um, that's not to say. That what about food- that saying? I'm sure you love that saying that sugar is as addictive as cocaine. Do you love that one? Oh, don't even get me started. I'll have a conniption. I was like, have, who? If you haven't, I've, tr- I've done a lot of cocaine. I was a big drug taker when I was younger. Like I'm like, <laughs> trust me, sugar is not as good as cocaine. No. <laughs> it's not, and uh, it's it's just not, and. Um, it's not to say that food addiction isn't real. Like food addiction is very real, um, but it's not sugar. It's the, it's the palatable food combinations of, of high sugar, high fat, uh, or high, high fat, high salt options. Like no one, like you said, is eating sugar out of a bag because uh, it, it's not the sugar alone. And we also have to remember that a lot of food addiction has less to do with the actual food and more to do with the emotional and mental state of the individual. Um, uh, I will say I used to think food addiction wasn't real until I actually started to do addiction uh, specialists and psychologists. And, and the example, one of the examples they use or two of the examples they use were sex addiction and uh, gambling, which are both very, very real addictions. And they are not physiologically addictive, but they're, they're psychologically addictive and people struggle with them. And and that food addiction is real in that same way. Uh, So uh, I disagree with people who think that food addiction isn't real, but to think that you're addicted to sugar specifically is, is patently false. It's not that there are other things that you're addicted to often that the palatable combinations, but, um, sugar's totally like, fine. you know, when like I would eat, try and eat 1200 calories and cut carbs, obviously I crave sugar because my body has built in mechanisms Correct. to say, you need fuel kitty. You need fuel. Like Correct. as soon as I filled my diet, like I ate more potatoes and bread and rice and fruit. And I drink a lot of juice. I love orange juice. No yeah, cravings. yeah. Cravings are gone because I'm eat, actually eating enough. Yeah. Correct. Exactly. And I think too, the food thing, like I remember 
I used to really like when I was sad or um, like depressed and, you know, I would eat because it was comforting. You're right. It's yes. like, like alcohol, Correct. you drink alcohol, it comforts you. It numbs the pain. Correct. And I think a lot of women do that too. Yes. Yeah. Alcohol is, is different in that it actually is a physiologically addictive mm-hmm. substance. And uh, interestingly, if someone is a, a legitimate alcoholic and they've been drinking a lot, you cannot just tell them to stop drinking alcohol. Like you actually, you have to wean them off of it or they will die. Uh, mm-hmm. Just like it's actually, it's alcohol can wreak havoc if you're abusing it. It's, it's, I think it's alcohol is, I think is way more dangerous than marijuana. Uh, and not to say marijuana doesn't have its own set of issues, but, um, it blows my mind that alcohol is legal and marijuana is illegal in many places. Um, but yeah, food addiction is not a physiological issue like alcohol or smoking cigarettes or something like that. But, and that's why a lot of people say food addiction isn't real, but they're, then they are in the same breath. will say, well, yeah, gambling addiction is very real. People lose their homes. They lose their, their families. They like for gambling or sex addiction, porn addiction, like it's real, it's fucking real. It's a different mechanism, uh, but it's absolutely real and it, it should be understood. But the issue that I have with a lot of the people who say they're addicted to food is that they use that as a justification not to try. They use that as a justification not to fix their habits. I'm like, listen, if you have a family member who's an alcoholic, you're not just going to say, well, give up because you're addicted to alcohol. You're going to be like, let's figure out how we can fix this. Let's figure out how we can get you healthy. Someone who says often like, well, I'm addicted to sugar. I just can't, I just can't give up on the cravings. It's like, no, 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 no. That's not going to fly. Like if you really want to make this change, we'll make this fucking change. Uh, but it don't use the uh, addiction as a justification to stop trying altogether. Mm, mm. And what else was going to ask you? Oh, okay. Well, one thing I've seen you talk about, like, you know, that I shared that post of yours about the carrots, you know, like oh, yeah. the yeah. trainer yeah. saying yeah. that you can't eat fruit and you can't eat, you know, like that's a root carrots because there's too much sugar. Dear yeah. Lord. How many fucking people do you know who got fat from eating too many carrots or blueberries or watermelon or apples? Yeah. No it was, one. you know, it was, it was really the the blueberries that had me pack on the last 20 kilos. You know what I mean? Like, shut the fuck up. No, absolutely not. It wasn't the blueberries. It wasn't the strawberries. It wasn't the watermelon. It was like, it just, it wasn't. So yeah, it, it really, there are a few things that piss me off in the fitness industry more than people trying to demonize fruit. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, I, but I never used to eat fruit. I was so, you know, like the sugar antichrist, but then the funny thing was I'd be, you know, binging all weekend. Yeah, alcohol, and then go to my. Oh, you shouldn't eat sugar, you know. After yeah. I just inhaled a whole tub of Ben and Jerry's because <laughs> I was like I so hungry. When I was first getting in the fitness industry at like sixteen, I was reading a book, and uh, I was reading a book about intermittent fasting. It was called The Warrior Diet by Ori Hoffmechler, and he was one of the guys to like first start talking about intermittent fasting. And the Warrior Diet was was uh, one of the things that really contributed to me binge eating a lot because it was 20 hours fasting and four hours eating, which is just a terrible, 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 terrible idea. And his whole concept was that calories weren't, uh, didn't matter. As long as you fasted for 20 hours a day, you could eat as much as you wanted for four hours, which is literally describing what a binge cycle looks like. You, you eat as little as possible. And then you eat as much as you can in the last like couple hours while you're, uh, while you're awake. And that really perpetuated my binge eating that actually developed from wrestling and cutting weight. But I'll never forget reading this book and I was sitting in the gym that I was interning at and I was eating a bag of grapes and I'm like so enthralled by this book thinking that I found the key. Finally, I turned the page and this is, he has a whole section on foods that are off limits and grapes is the first one on that fucking list. As I'm eating a bag of grapes, I'm literally, I'm like, I stop, my jaw drops and I throw the bag of grapes out in the trash immediately. I'm like, fuck, I ruined all my progress. I thought I ruined everything. And then he talks about because the insulin and spike and blah, blah, blah. I was like, motherfucker. And I didn't have grapes for years after that because I thought grapes were going to ruin my progress. Then eventually I, I, I try and think in more common sense terms. And eventually I remember on the same day that I realized like that I was scared of eating breakfast because I had intermittent fasted for so many years. And I thought that breakfast was inherently bad at this point. And finally, I remember being like, there are many healthy people who eat breakfast and there are many healthy people who eat grapes. So why the fuck can't I do either of those? And then I, I, I threw the book out and I immediately had breakfast and I had grapes with the breakfast. And like, that like was a huge change for me. But uh, yeah, I mean the, the whole it, people, there's a lot of fear mongering and there's a lot of scare tactics in the industry. And a lot of it is unfortunately done because marketing and it, they want people to buy into their programs. And they don't realize the harm and damage that they're actually doing to people. 
Mm, yeah, I think too, like I look back at it and a lot of women say this to me too. It's like they just want something that's easy where they don't have to think. Like you eat keto, yeah. you just in a calorie deficit because you cut out an entire macronutrient, right? Like when yeah. you do fasting, so you can only eat. Whereas like we try and teach women, you know, like let's learn about protein, how much protein you need. Let's track for a while so that you can understand like energy balance. You know, let's sort of get a bit better understanding about nutrient dense foods that we want to eat like 80% of the time. We're not saying that you need to eat these because, you know, go fuck a Mars bar if you want. Like if you're trying yeah. to lose weight, you've got to fit it in your macros. Probably not a great choice because it's going to take up so much calories and not fill you up. But you know what I mean? And just yeah. teach them more. It's, but it's harder. And it takes yeah. more work and time initially because you have to be involved in the process and learn about your body and learn about strength training. But it's like, isn't that better than spending the next 20 years jumping from quick yeah. diet and never able to sustain the results? And it's so funny. Like women always say to me that they like when they start our program, they're like, I just can't believe I'm eating so much food and losing weight. And I'm like, you're not really. It's just because Correct. you restrict so much and then you would binge on this shit Correct. food, so calorie dense. And when they're eating, you know, like we get them eating rice and potatoes and sourdough bread and, you know, meats and eggs and cheese and dairy, whatever, like it's nutrient dense, high, like it fills them up and they're like, wow, I'm losing all this weight. I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's uh, that when people say, like, I just don't want to think, I'm like, for yeah. fuck's sake, what have you ever done in life? What have you ever accomplished that you're proud of that you didn't think for that? Like you put no effort into it's like anything. If you are really serious about changing your body and improving your health, you're going to have to fucking think you have to. And that's what pisses me off about the the intuitive eating crowd is like the goal is to get there. Like ultimately that's the ultimate goal. That's the highest level of, of health and fitness and from a nutrition perspective, but you don't get from white belt to black belt in one day. You don't start <laughs> yeah. off at black belt. Like you take years and years and years. Intuitive eating is the black belt of nutrition. It's like, it takes so many years of trial and error and thinking and, and, and studying and researching and, and, and actually new things. learning it and knowing, cause Correct. like you think when people say I'm intuitively eating, you're not, you're still thinking about it. You're still yes, thinking like at breakfast, like I know for myself, I like do well on about 160 grams of protein. I roughly know that that, for me every day is this many eggs, this sort of yes. serve of protein. So you still think about it. Like yes. even when you get to the point, like we, we go on holiday, like we still track our food. Cause we, you know, like I've got these body composition goals, like we're doing a fat loss phase. Now, then we're going to do a muscle building phase. And I quite like tracking. I don't really like it. So there's times when I more strictly track, obviously when I'm doing a fat loss phase, but when I'm at maintenance or building, it's less strict, you know, cause it's a bit more of a range, but you know, I still, when we went on holidays, we still ate, like we knew I ate two eggs and two egg whites. So I knew I needed some extra protein with some banana, with some slice of sourdough bread, you know, like, it's not like you're just eating like an Correct. asshole or like Correct. to get there, you have to learn the foundations, right? Exactly. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. It's uh, it's, you can look at this in every aspect of life, but when you first start learning something, you have to be consciously aware of it. Mm. Now you can like, you couldn't have a conversation with someone while you were doing this, when you first started, like you had to like, okay, hold on. Like you had to look how many, how much protein is in, is in an egg and in an egg white and how many calories you had to really focus on it. Now you could have a conversation while you're figuring out how much protein is on your plate. Yeah. Cause like, yeah. you know, so there's thought there, but it's, it's much more intuitive. It's much more cause it, it's a habitual pattern that you've developed, mm -hmm. but it's, you're the same person as you were then, but you have more knowledge now you mm. have more practice and experience. And with that practice and experience allows you to do more things because you've, you've spent so much time and energy developing mm. that. And you're still obviously maintaining the same habits. Like yeah. you can't go from tracking, then going, I'm just all of a sudden going to skip meals. I'm going to drink heaps of shit ton of booze. You still, you know, eat your, have many meals suit you still have to hit roughly your protein targets every day. Still got to get your steps in, you know, you still got to Correct. maintain all these because women are like, Oh, kitty, sometimes how long will I have to do this? I'm like, well, what do you think I do that? You like, I do all the same things that you're doing now. It's just it's easier for me. Like, I think you have to enjoy consistency and not to say that you can never have a drink or go out for dinner. Cause I do all those things. But what are, it's what you do most of the time, right? Correct. Counts. Yeah. Yeah. You have to decide like how, how extreme do you want to go? Right. Mm. Like I am in a point in my life where I, I have no desire to be an elite power lifter. Mm. I have no desire to be shredded all year round. Like, mm. so for me, I can be more lenient with what I'm doing because I'm okay with a slightly higher body fat. 
but, but like, even your slightly high body fat would still be like you know correct. You, you know you talked about you're like yeah I'm, I'm not in peak condition i'm still lifting 3.3 times my body weight like that's yeah. hilarious <laughs> that like you're <laughs> so you're, but the, the, it, the thing is it's like uh i'm i know i'm not as lean as i could be but i accept responsibility for that and i would rather have a few extra drinks and, and a few extra slices right. of pizza whatever it is because i'm okay with that it's yeah. like and you know what decided, to do you just dial I it in want, exactly yeah. i always have to yeah. dial it in and, but like for me like i'm not gonna talk to my coach because i always have a coach like i always have yeah. someone i'm working with i'm not gonna be like I just don't, I, I'm so upset that I'm not leaner. Right? It's like, well, I know fucking why, because I'm not doing what I would need to do. So like, I accept it and I'm happy the way, like where I am right now, but I'm not going to complain to my coach for 30 fucking minutes because like, I'm not as lean as I possibly could be because I'm not doing what I need to do, but to be as lean as, yeah. as I possibly could be. Yeah. But I think though, like once, and I say this to women, I'm like, once you learn these fundamental principles about energy balance and protein, obviously eating these nutrient dense foods most of the time, because you need nutrients, obviously micronutrients matter. And you know, the, about the steps and the training, you've got the control then. So like if you go away on holidays and you decide to let loose for a bit and you have a few drinks and you eat a bit more than you probably should, whatever, and you gain whatever, some weight or ha what happens, it's easy. You know what to do. You don't have to do drastic things. Just eat in a small calorie deficit, tighten it up, cut out the alcohol, do your steps. Like clients say it to me all the time, they're like, oh, you know, now I know that if I put on some weight and if I, you know, like say if I want to have some more pizza or whatever, I can just dial it in for a month and it's not extreme yeah, exactly. and it comes off easily. Yeah, it's exactly right. That's yeah. exactly right. It's really empowering, I think. But like you say, you've got to like get to that point where you're like, I've got to take ownership now and be involved in the process rather than going, Correct. I just don't want to think. Yeah. You've never done anything that you're proud of without thinking. Ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think, is there anything else you, you want to add that we haven't talked about before? I was just going to ask you like, what are you doing now? What's all this? You got the book. We've talked about the book and. Um, um, no, I, I have another podcast I got to hop on, but no, I mean, this has been phenomenal. Yeah. Like I really appreciate you. Like I, I hope where, you're in Australia, obviously, yeah. right? Yeah. On the Gold Coast. In, on the I, Gold I, Coast. I, That's in Queensland. Yeah. Okay. Queensland. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't been yet. I was supposed to go uh, for, I think, Phylex. I was going to speak at a Phylex conference. Oh, cool. Uh, but then, then COVID happened. So, but I would definitely, I'm definitely going to come. I would love to meet up and. Yeah, we'd love to. Yeah, that would be in. so That'd good. Be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, so you've got the book. Like what else have you got that people can do? Like you talked about the inner circle and like, how can yeah, they so be around you basically? I would, I would say don't buy anything until you follow me and see if you like what I have to say. Um, I have a book out. I have a, a membership if you want it, but I never sell it on a podcast ever because it's like, you don't fucking know me. Like just <laughs> go follow my shit. See if you like it. You know that I swear already. So if you don't like someone swearing, definitely don't buy any of my stuff. Don't even bother following me. But if you, if you do like my stuff, great. You'll, you'll be able to find where you can find my paid products. But for right now, just go look at my shit and see if you like it. Okay. So I'll drop the Instagram head, but you'll love him. He's awesome. And the swearing's hilarious. And it's just, yeah, <laughs> it's been so good. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was, um, thank you, Kitty. So, so awesome. And yeah, when you come to Australia, definitely let me know. I yeah. will. I will for sure. Thank you awesome. so much. Thanks so much. Bye. Have an amazing day. Bye.